Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Today I'll be preaching just from one verse, from verse 7, but I would like to read the entire chapter so you hear this beautiful chapter about God's love and the love that, uh, that we exercise with one another as well. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. The greatest of these is love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Today we're celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. God has given us this sacrament to commemorate and to communicate his grace to us. We commemorate the love of God because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And it communicates grace to us. As we, by faith, take and eat the bread and take and drink the cup, by faith, God is communicating his love towards us. Love of grace, the love of the forgiveness of sins, a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the series on fellowship, I've been connecting you to the love of God. And today I want to connect you especially to the love of Jesus Christ that's demonstrated in our redemption. I want to show you how Jesus' example of bearing, believing, hoping, and enduring are divinely given to us and how they then teach us to love one another. 
It's in that context of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, then, that I've been crafting this series on fellowship and especially thinking of how we also ought to love one another, for Christ has loved us. Kyle Borg, in his uh, recent book, What is Love, has said, uh, has described this as thinking about this one verse as, as a general coming to his soldiers on the eve of battle and seeking to, uh, uh, to urge them on in the most important battle that they were about to face. He describes it as persuading the hearts of men under the weight of the immensity of the challenge to take the field and to never retreat, to face every challenge and every power of, with unflinching resolve, whether they live or die. I want you to think about this one verse in that context. Because who is up to the challenge of loving one another? I mean, really, without Christ, there is no one who is up to that challenge. It doesn't take long for us to see that human organizations just tend to fly apart. Our selfishness will come to the, will rise to the top eventually, and any type of situation, any type of relationship, any type of institution that we seek to establish will tend to fly apart because none of us can do it. The immensity of the challenge is great. But Christ himself has given us this command. Christ has given us this command. He says, I give you a new command, that you love one another. Think of it as our general. Think of it as that call to take the field and to not retreat, to not give up in this battle, which is the Christian life, and the battle that faces every church to love one another and to persevere in that love for one another. How often have you been in a church that divided? How often have you heard of a church that divided? How often have you been a, a part of that division? Hear the command of Christ. Brothers and sisters, love one another. Do so by bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, and enduring all things. I want to show you the love of Christ in each one of those, and then to apply it to our lives. Love bears all things. The word that's used here is actually a very interesting word. It means literally to cover something. And uh, the, the, maybe more than the kids, but I think the kids will especially enjoy this. The word is stego, and it's used in a dinosaur. 
that we know of. Do you, can you think of a dinosaur that starts with stego? It's the stegosaurus. And what does the stegosaurus have? Well, it has these bony plates that run along its back, that cover its back. What we think as a form of protection. They are covered by these bony plates. We apply this to Christian love in this way. How, how is it that love covers? Well, let's start with Jesus. When you become a Christian, when you repent of your sins and you trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior, God counts you as righteous. And how is it that he can do that? Well, it's because of Jesus. It's because Jesus covers your sin. And he does that in two ways. There is a covering of our unrighteousness because he takes our sin upon himself and he dies for it on the cross. He covers it by his own blood, the blood of the covenant, the blood of the cross. It represents the penalty that we deserve, that our bodies, our blood would be poured out forever and ever. That's what Jesus has done for us. He covers the guilt and shame and penalty of our sin. He also covers us in his righteousness. It's as if he takes off his cloak of righteousness and puts it on us. And he covers us with his own righteousness. So that when God looks at you, what does he see? He sees, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he declares you to be righteous because you're covered by Jesus. What an undeserved gift that we have from God. That out of love, that he would come and save us as sinners. It's an incredible thing, isn't it? Not one of us has deserved that. Not one of us has merited God to look on us in any other way than what we actually are, that we are indeed sinners. But he has, has covered over our shame and our sin. And we turn around, having been forgiven much, and how petty we can be with one another. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus has loved you in this way, this undeserved way that covers over all of us, if Jesus has loved you in this way, we also ought to love one another. Because love bears all things. Love covers all things. And I can't help but remind you of my previous sermon series on 1 Peter chapter 4, where Peter said, above all, all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. 
It's a different word here, but the same concept. Love covers a multitude of sins. This is Peter quoting from the Old Testament, the book of wisdom. There Solomon says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Quotes it to good effect, doesn't he? Without love, how will brothers and sisters in Christ live together in fellowship? Without love, how will a husband and wife maintain a relationship year after year? How will roommates at college stand each other? What will you do when that close friend that spouse, that fellow believer sins against you? What will you do when you sin against them? The way of the world is to take that sin to your grave. To remember it, to punish the other individual with it. The only answer to this problem, the only answer to the sin that divides us is the love of Jesus Christ. It has to be this way. It has to come from the fact that your life is changed by the love of Jesus Christ, that your sins are covered and born by Jesus Christ on the cross. And that out of that new nature that Jesus has given you, you turn and in gratitude with the way that Jesus has dealt with you, you deal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Always quick to qualify this, certainly there are sins that must be confronted. But by and large, the great number of sins that happen in this life can be covered in love. Not to be remembered or mentioned ever again. Not to be the basis of holding something against someone else. Why? Because that individual deserves it? Because they have merited it? No. Because Jesus has loved you. And that if you begin to keep a list of sins that it will never end, this type of love stretches you, doesn't it? This is why I think Kyle Borg put this in the language of a battle and the enormity of that battle, to take the field to face every challenge, to quote him again, every power with unflinching resolve to not retreat from this. Whether we live or die, but to love in a way that bears another's sins against you. And I hope that you feel the immense weight of this. And I hope that even as you think back to the previous verses, of being patient, of being kind, of not being envy. I hope you meditated on those this last week. And, uh, and maybe you were like I was and thinking, 
I can't make it through today with just this one. How will I persevere in this? Well, I remind you of Jesus Christ, who has borne your sins. I remind you of his perseverance on your behalf. And I remind you of how he causes you to stand fast and to persevere. And in his strength and put into practice this very same type of love that you have received. Love believes all things. Paul shows a vital connection between love and faith. And I think you may already begin to see the ways in which this has to go together. Elsewhere in Galatians, Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that's deserving of another weeks of meditation that your faith is expressed in certain ways. We usually put it in the context of, of resting in him, of, uh, of trusting in him, of going to him in repentance and knowing that our sins are forgiven. But Paul says, no, it's expressed through love. This is the way people will know love as they see Christ in us. As they see our faith expressed in knowing that we are loved and then the love that we show one another. And belief can be related to trust in this way. It, it, it places our trust in, in something different. And just think about it this way. There are some times that, uh, that you face your own sins and you think that there is... There is no way in the world that God could ever love you. Maybe there have been instances in your life that you despair of that. And you wonder whether or not you're even a Christian. But love, and especially the love of God, leads you to hope in this situation. And it's a hope that's based on faith, a belief that's not based on anything that you can tangibly see in yourself. Everything argues against it in yourself. But God has loved you. And he's told you he loves you. And he demonstrates he loves you. And based on that, you can, what you can't see in and of yourself, and you have no categories in your mind, you begin to learn that God has indeed loved you. And there's these little seeds of hope that begin to be sown and begin to be born in your life that a holy God has said and will accomplish, has accomplished your redemption. And faith, uh, faith begins to, uh, to, to make these seeds grow in you so that you trust what the Lord says is true. We can see that Jesus himself showed a steadfast character even though 
he knew the agonies of which uh, that he was facing. He agonized over his betrayal and his death that was upcoming. He even prayed earnestly that the cup would pass from him. But concluding that prayer with not my will, but your will be done. He believed that salvation would be accomplished by the sacrifice he would make. And so, Jesus persevered in trusting and trusting himself to the Father. And in this case, Paul calls you to trust that love is the more excellent way. It may seem hard, and it may seem even impossible to trust God in this situation. Without faith, you're left grasping for control of the situation, trying to make everything work out the way you think it ought to work out, using those tools and those weapons that come to hand so easily, weapons that we looked at last week, of being provoked to anger, of how envy will lead you to, uh, to relate to others in certain ways, to lose your patience, all because you don't trust God. So you seize the wheel to get what you want, but belief in Christ, belief in the forgiveness that you have from him, belief in the fact that this is true, that love is the excellent way leads you to trust what God says and lets you open the door with others around you that leaves room for God to work in your relationship, for God to work in them, leads you to believe the best about them, to acknowledge them as your brother and sister in Christ, not to throw them into the camp of an enemy leads you to believe that the Spirit of God is in them and to appreciate the gifts that they have of being full of joy as they grow in Christ. The Lord grants you love that opens the door to resting in Christ in a way that nurtures peace with those around you. Love hopes all things already suggested these little seeds of hope that are being sown. But I want you to see how, as a Christian, you have a hope that the world cannot comprehend, though they long for it. A hope that is not just mere wishful thinking, because in Christ, you have the promise of eternal life. You have the surety of God sealing that with his own blood, the blood of the everlasting covenant. On the other hand, the Bible describes a non-Christian as being without hope in this world. And it doesn't take many illustrations to show uh, how this is. Think of the, the epidemic of anxiety and fear and depression that are all around us. I realize that those have complex contributing factors. Surely some of that 
is based on the unsure future and the unsure eternity that a non-Christian faces. But in Christ, we have real hope, a substantial hope, hope in all things, hope in all circumstances. Love always hopes because we have a Savior who has defeated the enemy and defeated him forever. We have a Redeemer who has paid the price for our sin. We follow a King who has risen and has triumphantly ascended on high and who from heaven rules over all things. And that hope for our eternity is a hope that then leads us as we live with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a hope that's vitally needed in our fellowship with one another. You must have hope to live together well in this fallen world. Think of it this way. If you are going to love only those who love you, you are going to be lonely. Nobody loves perfectly. I don't, and, and you don't. And yet we set up this impossible standard that I will reciprocate love if I am loved. But is that really love? Is it really love to always be looking for it to be reciprocated to you? It actually isn't love at all, is it? Love is not that which you do to get something in return. That's just another form of selfishness. But love leads you to extend yourself brothers and sisters who are in Christ and yet who still do sin. Making this point all throughout this series on, on fellowship, that inevitably you will be in conflict with someone in the church. Inevitably, because we still do sin. There will be something that offends, will be... Uh, unintentional, uh, it may even be intentional. But the acid test for the Christian church is that love hopes that this is not the end and that the solution is not to break fellowship over this, but to work through the difficulty in a way that looks to Jesus who has forgiven us all things. It hopes in the face of the doubts and continues to walk in that path of love, hoping all things. Hoping that you may resolve that conflict. Hoping not as wishful thinking, but hoping on those promises of Jesus that you can resolve these things. Finally, love endures all things. To endure means to persevere in all situations. It means to keep going despite the opposition that you face, no matter what the consequences are. 
Let's put it poetically, as Shakespeare does. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds. It's not love that changes when it's not reciprocated. It doesn't alter when it alteration finds. It endures all things. Consider the love and the endurance of our Savior Jesus. Out of love, he laid aside the glory of the Godhead and humbled himself to be our Savior. Out of love, he came to pursue and redeem a stiff-necked people, me and you. Out of love, he went to Jerusalem. He suffered arrest and torture and went to the cross itself. Out of love, he persevered the agony of the judgment of God the Father for our sin. Out of love, he lives to make intercession for you. And out of love, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That's the type of enduring love that Paul puts in front of you. A love that endures all things. Because of Jesus' perseverance, you too can endure suffering and frustration and irritation and persecution. You can do so because you know the love of God in Christ. Just to quote Kyle Borg one more time. The love that he has described here is a love that is, is not and cannot be overthrown by opposition. It's a love that is committed to doing good to one another, no matter the consequences, and to continue doing and persevering in it because it is invincible. Love doesn't quit. Love doesn't give up. It keeps going no matter the difficulties. Brothers and sisters, this is love. This is love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. His love never quits. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. This is my command for you, said Jesus, a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. God, who is up to this task? Well, not one of us and of our own strength. And Jesus is more than just a general trying to impress upon you the enormity of the battle that you face. He's not trying to stir you up to heroic deeds. No, as the captain of our souls, he dwells in you for this purpose, that you would embody the love that you enjoy. So it's more than just an example that he gives you. He gives you himself. So let's live out this love, brothers and sisters, with each other. A love that does indeed bear, believe, hopes, and endures all things.
Let's pray. Lord, we confess our sin to you. How petty and selfish we are. It's right that the Bible would use that term that we are a stiff-necked people. God, how could we turn from enjoying the forgiveness of our sins and turn and fight and fight against each other for such little things. Lord, we confess, confess our sins against each other, but even more, O oh God, these are sins against you. We've sinned against love that you have shown us. It pierces our hearts humiliates us to admit it. Yet in that humiliation, O Lord, you come to us and you still embrace us and you still forgive us and you still send us out to love one another. God, make us fit to that task. Indwell us with your spirit, that spirit of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Sing Psalm 119F. Psalm 119 is well known for asking God to teach us his ways, to lead us in these things. And it is especially about that loving kindness that this portion of Psalm 119 uh, reminds us. Let's sing about that. Psalm 119F, please stand to sing.